TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The new year brings a new Scoop Podcast. Happy New Year, Scoop Podcast faithful. It is episode 193. There's a new team after Anthony Tolliver, but are the Wolves even open-minded to trading him? Nelson Cruz was in town the other day for a physical. Why haven't the Twins announced the deal? The Vikings have agreed to terms with a few guys on futures contracts. They have not announced those deals quite yet, but we have the scoop on some of the guys that they've signed to those contracts. Plus, Jake Wenicky, Remember him from Vikings training camp? Had the touchdown in the preseason. Former Maple Grove High School star. I'm told he is signing with a team. I will bring that to you here on this scoop podcast. Plus, we have a bevy of guests including Joe Esposito. We'll start with Joe. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. I'll tell you more about MyBookie later in the podcast. Joe was an assistant coach for the Gophers the last time they won in Madison 10 years ago, January of 2009. So we'll go down memory lane with Joe. Joe is now an assistant coach at UNLV. Gophers at Badgers. The Gophers men's basketball team has a chance for a signature victory. With all due respect to Nebraska, the wins they got in Vancouver. This is a chance on Thursday night in Madison to make a statement, to give the committee something to think about on Selection Sunday. At some point, you need to come up with at least one true road victory. They got walloped at Ohio State. They got walloped at Boston College. So the Gophers have a chance to make a statement on Thursday night against the ranked Badgers. So let's start with Joe. Go down memory lane for a little bit. Then we can transition to other things here on this Scoop podcast. Joe, Happy New Year. Thanks for doing this. When I say that it's been 10 years since the Gophers won in Madison, you were a part of that team 10 years ago. Lawrence Westbrook. But I mean, that was a fascinating game. What do you recall about that victory, a rare victory for the Gophers, like a rare victory for any team at the Cole Center. No question. I remember how great that game was. And uh, we were coming. I think we were going in there with a heck of a record. I don't know. I think at that season, if I remember correctly, we had like one loss. Correct, yes. Yeah, and we were pretty good. And um, I think we're top 25 in the country. We're going to the Cole Center. And – I remember starting the game off really, really well and then going to a funk and being down like double digits at halftime. Um, I can remember that game because uh, we had so many, you know, rivalries with Wisconsin. You always want to beat Wisconsin. Everybody talked about that's the biggest game of the year. It was, and we just got to Minnesota, so we knew how important that game was. And then the second half, they jumped on us, and, uh, man, we might have even been down 15 or so. And for some reason, we just started getting hot. Paul Carter and Bostic uh, got in the game. We started to press, and we slowly fought back. Um, I remember we, we fought back, and uh, I remember Paul Carter getting a big dunk and got our guys fired up. And then with like one minute to go or so in the game, we, we were probably down two possessions. And I can remember Damian Johnson hitting a huge three somewhere around, I don't know, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. And then we got the ball back, and Westbrook hit that three in the, uh, on the wing to tie the game across from our bench to go into overtime. And, and then we, we played pretty well in overtime and beat them. And I can remember the celebration like it was yesterday. The guys were extremely excited. And there was another time when we beat them on Valentine's Day at our place. And I can remember uh, Cubby dancing in the locker room and Trevor <laughs> and Bakway picking them up and – so there was always great rivalry with Bo Ryan, and our fans loved when we beat Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, and this one, I mean, you're right. I mean, it was early second half. You guys were down 14, and even with three and a half minutes to go, I looked at it, Joe, you guys were down nine. So you're thinking Wisconsin at home, they never lose at the Kohl Center. They're up nine points with 324 left, yet you guys somehow found a way. That was maybe the most amazing thing. Well, you know, it was, and I remember we went and we pressed, and we didn't press a ton that year, and I can just remember Paul Carter and, and Bostic, um, Devon Bostic. I remember them just playing so well, using their length and their athleticism. You know, they were two, both two junior college kids that we had. And, um, you know, we just made shots at the end. But uh, the momentum was going our way. And uh, you don't beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And you sure is that they're a possession team. They must have missed a few free throws. I don't remember totally, but they must have missed some free throws. We must have made a bunch. And, and uh, for whatever reason it was, it was a great night. I used to keep the picture 
of Tubby and Bo Ryan shaking hands at the end of the game as a screensaver for the longest time because it was a great memory. I mean, do you recall that being the 1A rival? I mean, we talk about Iowa to some extent, and it's a little different in basketball compared to, say, football. But still, when it's Gophers against Badgers, I mean, there's nothing bigger than that, right? There was nothing bigger at that point. The Iowa was big, but Iowa wasn't very good, remember, when we were there. Sure. And uh, But uh, the Wisconsin thing was the biggest thing. I always remember those shirts that students wore, you know, better dead than red. And uh, <laughs> I can't say that now because I'm wearing red now. But I sure as heck know that it was a big rivalry and, and uh, something that was really special to those Gopher fans. And, and I know they love beating, beating Wisconsin. And I, I feel like uh, Richard and his team are really good this year. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure they're going to go in there and have a really great chance of beating them. On the Westbrook three to tie the game, did that come out of a timeout? Was that a play drawn up, do you recall? And do you recall why Wisconsin maybe didn't foul there? You know, um, you know, some some guys have that philosophy not to foul. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I remember Tubby didn't really like to foul in those situations a no, lot of times didn't. either. You're right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't remember if it was out of a timeout or whatever, but I, but I do remember there was some type of penetration and a kick. You know, and uh, Westbrook hit that three, and, and uh, he was pretty deep. It was over in that left side, over in their Gucci row over there, and I can remember him shooting it and, and uh, going through the basket and then try to keep the guys settled down to let them realize we had to play in overtime. And you got to remember, we had a pretty young team. I remember we started two twin towers. You know, we started Colton Iverson. We started uh, we started Sampson. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Al Nolan, Westbrook, and Damian Johnson. And off the bench, I can remember we had those two junior college players that played great that night. You know, uh, if I remember correctly, I think Blake Hoffaber might even been the game. I think Tubby might have put him in to give us another shooter. Um, I'm not sure if he touched the ball on that play or made the pass on that play, but I remember him being out there on the court. And you're right. I mean, you had to calm the guys down, yet you guys go to overtime, and Westbrook continued to go off, and that's how you guys won the game. Yeah, he did. He had a good overtime. He made some shots. He made some big free throws. Um, I, I can remember, yeah, he had a great game. He was a tough player. You know, Westbrook was just a gritty, hard-nosed. He, he, he looked small, but he was so tough, and he had a big heart. And and, uh, and Damian Johnson, and I think he's still coaching out there in the Minnesota area. Coaching he is. High school basketball. Yeah, North St. Paul, yeah. Yeah, what a great kid. I mean, just a great guy, super person. Uh, he's probably he's probably a great coach. I can just imagine what those kids are learning from him. But he was another guy that just played so hard. You know, and obviously Al Nolan. That was a great team. And I don't know how, uh, you know, how we won at that at the Cole Center being down 14 against a team that plays possessions. But uh, for some reason we did, and it was a great win. And the Badgers still play that way, right? I mean – you know, Bo walks away, whatever the circumstances, Bo gone, great guard takes over. It's pretty much the same team that Bo had. You know, it seems like it. It seems like it. I've been watching him a few times. I watched him once maybe this year and the last few years. He's playing the same system. He really is. Got the same type of look. His team looks the same. I know they got that Minnesota guard um, on their team now. That's a pretty good player. Tough kid. Yeah, Brad Davis. Uh, yeah, Dave. Yeah, great kid. I remember looking at him a little bit. Um, when we were at Texas Tech. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got the same type of look. they got the big kid inside that is similar to the guys they had. Joe, Cra- I remember Joe Kravinoff uh, uh, was a great player for them that year that we beat him. And I think he, I believe he's one of the assistants on their team, uh, one of the city coaches now. And, uh, and you guys got Rob Jeter. Rob Jeter was here at UNLV last year. And uh, matter of fact, because Rob Rob leaving here, I was able to come to UNLV. But Rob Jeter is now on the staff at Minnesota, and uh, he used to be at Wisconsin. So it'll be a big game for him, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm looking at you know the Badgers roster. You're right about Krabenhoff, who's now an assistant. He starts for the Badgers. How about John Lohr, who's a pretty serviceable, you know, respectable NBA player? Heck, he's making ridiculous money. I mean, he's a rotation guy. For the Pistons, John Lohr, who's from the Twin Cities, from Orono, he was actually a bench player for Wisconsin that year. Yeah, he was. And, and you know, he was really, really talented kid. Um, and I remember um, he kind of blew up there. He, he had some really good good, uh, good games for them that year. He was one of the key things because, you know, we were kind of young inside. And, uh, you know, we had, obviously, Irison and Sampson. And then we had big John Williams who played for us that year. 
But I know that our bench that game was a big part of that win, um, and especially, obviously, Paul Carter and Bostic late in that game. But, I, I'm, you know, we didn't get a lot of scoring at Irison and Sampson, but we were able to get some good punch off the bench, which was exciting. So it was it was awesome. It really was a good game. They had a, a guard. Uh, I think I think their guard was uh, used. Trayvon, I believe his name was. They had Marcus Landry, who was a good player. Yeah, they had a Hughes. I forget his first name, though. Oh, what was his yeah, first Hughes name? Yeah, Hughes was their point guard. Then they had a Bohannon. Uh, Bohannon was a really, really good shooter for him at the two spot. And a matter of fact, his brother is in that league now at Iowa. I think he's the best player mm-hmm. in Iowa. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's if he's not the best, yeah, the cook kid at Iowa is pretty good too. But yeah, Bohannon is is certainly one of Iowa's yeah. better players. Joe, do you do you think about much what could have been here? I mean, you guys, you guys get let go after you come up with the first NCAA tournament win in forever. I mean, really, since the '97 Final Four run. So you guys did something here that hadn't been done in forever. Then Norwood Teague decides to make the change. You know, then a few years later, you've got the new practice facility here. I mean, you know, it's rolling, you know, relatively well right now here. Do you ever think about what could have been here with you guys? No question. All the time. You know, um, I still love Minnesota. You know, my wife is from Minnesota. I uh, absolutely loved working there. Um, I still talk with Joel Maturi often. Um, you know, and, and it was so great to see that they honored him by naming the pavilion after him, which was well, well deserved. Um, you know, we got fired for winning, and it was a terrible feeling. You know, I, I've been fired twice in my career, and one time we go to the NCAA tournament and win a game, as you know, and the next time we win 21 games in Memphis, and we have everybody coming back. We had the number one recruiting class two years in a row. In both situations, Norwood Teague wanted to make a change for one of his guys, supposedly. And then uh, they made a change to get pretty hard away in Memphis. So you're talking about two weird situations. Um, but that Minnesota job was a great job. We loved it. We had it rolling. We had a great recruiting class coming in. Alvin Ellis goes to Michigan State. Um, you know, we just had a great team, and we really felt like we were heading in the right direction. So it was tough. I know it hurt Coach. Um, still love the people there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's too bad that we're not there to enjoy that. We did all that without a practice facility, practicing in a gym with no air, you know, it was no air conditioning in the summer and no heat in the winter with two baskets. And uh, we were able to do all that. So we were pretty proud. I mean, no weight room, right? I mean, the guys had to walk across the street to Mariucci back then. No doubt. There was a hockey weight room. Yeah, I mean, the situation wasn't all that great. But we made the best of it. And uh, obviously, you know, I – I would always tell you, and you know this, Tubby Smith is, is a really good basketball coach and a super person, and I'm so happy for him right now. He's at his alma mater. He's still coaching. He had a 600th win this year, and uh, he's one of those Hall of Fame guys that, you know, had a way and knew how to do it, and and uh, it was a great stop. We, I love Minnesota, and uh, we'll, I root for him now, and I hope they have a great year. Is it weird, Joe, to not be with Tubby? This is the first time in how many years that you're not with Tubby? Yeah, 12 years. It is. You know, you become really close with the guys on your staff. And, uh, you know, Coach Smith was a, was a great mentor for me, a great father figure. Uh, you know, he taught me so much about the game. But I'm really happy to go out there and share what I learned from him with another program. And uh, it is tough. And, uh, you know, when the opportunity came to go to High Point with him or, you know, move on my own, I really want to stay at the highest level. And uh, I felt like, you know, Marvin Menzies at UNLV asked me to be on his staff previous and I stayed with Coach. So, uh, you know, it kind of was a good situation for me to go to UNLV, and uh, I'm enjoying that as well. So we'll see how it all unfolds, but you never know how things come and go and where guys end up. But maybe someday I'll be back in Minnesota. I would love that. I mean, has it just been a whirlwind? I mean, you think about just your time here, living here, you know, then in Lubbock, Texas, then in Memphis, Tennessee, and now in Las Vegas. I mean, you talk about four completely different places. I mean, you've got it covered. You're right there. That's what my wife keeps saying. You know, we've lived in some great places, but, you know, so so different. You know, you look at uh, Minnesota, best summers in the world, I mean, but the winters were really rough. And then you go to Lubbock, you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, just to, you know, if your dog runs away, you can still see him for three weeks because it's so flat. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there. And then we go to Memphis, which was fun, and Memphis fans were, were really wild. Well, I tell you, they really – they really got a love for their program, and they, their expectations are off the chain, being a non-Power 5 program. And now the same situation out here at UNLV. UNLV is a, a storied program. In the 90s, I don't know if there was a better program 
or more recognizable program when Jerry Tarkini was here. They won a national championship in the early 90s and all the things that they accomplished. So I've been blessed 33 years. I'm enjoying it. But, uh, you know, everybody asks me, where was your favorite spot? And I, I still to this day will say, no question, Minnesota. Joe, again, Happy New Year. Thank you for doing this, and I'm happy to hear that everything is going really well there in Vegas for you. Well, thank you so much, and uh, hello to everybody back in, in the, the great state of 10,000 Lakes. As a matter of fact, my nephew is going to play hockey there. For the Gophers? Yeah, he's from Roseau, Minnesota. He signed with them as a, a sophomore. Nice. Um, yeah, he's playing. He plays the Fargo Force, and he's at Roseau High School, and and uh, yeah, so I do have a great tie there, and I look forward to getting back there and seeing him playing because I know that's a, a, a very important part of the, the Minnesota uh, tradition is that hockey team. Well, especially you know you think about the hockey tradition up in Roseau. What's what's his name? His name his name is Aaron Uglin, and my brother-in-law Mark Uglin actually played for the Gophers as well in the '80s. Hmm. So it's kind of a nice deal. So that's my wife's side of the family, and uh, you know they're all our hockey players and. It's really neat that he's going to be playing there and uh, he committed to him. So we're excited for that. And, uh, you know, we're going to be Gopher fans through and through. You ever think about hopping on the ice with him? Maybe just to help him, you know, coach him up a little bit just with your coaching background? Forget hockey. I mean, just your, your you know, your ability to just to build individuals up. I mean, what about Joe Esposito on skates getting out on the ice sometime soon with him? You know, that doesn't really sound too good when you really think about the picture. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I always said I have a hockey last name, a football body, but a basketball mind. Former Gophers assistant coach, now UNLV assistant coach, Joe Esposito. Now, I taped that conversation on Wednesday morning at about 10 a.m. I am now picking up an edit at about 2.30. That's what happens when the main job comes calling i try to record different segments when i can if i can't just record in one lengthy time period so i am picking up an edit here at two o'clock on wednesday afternoon well between 10 a.m on wednesday morning and two o'clock in the afternoon the vikings announced all their future contracts and the twins made the nelson cruz deal official i will have some other twins notes though piggyback on the nelson cruz deal and have more on the vikings in just a bit but let's continue the college basketball theme i filled in for mackie and judd on 1500 espn last thursday and friday three to six o'clock but you know what through that stretch between christmas and new year's a lot of people are not consuming media it's one of those vacation times for a ton of people so you may have missed this conversation with robbie hummel former timberwolf former purdue boilermaker he now does great work for the Big Ten Network as an analyst. So let's continue the college basketball talk. I had Robbie on. We talked Gophers. We talked a little bit about the Badgers and a few other things. Here's my conversation in case you missed it because I thought it was pretty good. It had nothing to do with me. It's just because Robbie is brilliant. My conversation with Robbie Hummel. Time to see how good the Gophers can be this year. Joining us now to talk Gophers men's basketball plus some other Big Ten talking points. And even maybe an NBA talking point or two from the Big Ten Network, former Minnesota Timberwolf, former Purdue Boilermaker, it is Robbie Hummel. Robbie, thanks for the time this afternoon. You know, let's just start my co-host and I, last segment, Manny Hill, were reminiscing about your collegiate career. Are we right that you suffered, was it an ACL or a really bad injury? Was it at Williams Arena? Yeah, at the barn. Yep, tore my ACL um, late February. Um with uh, we, we were actually playing really well. We'd won, I think, nine or ten games in a row. We were ranked third in the country. Um, and unfortunately, yes, the barn is it wasn't my favorite place to play. But once once that happens, obviously, uh, it's hard to feel the same about it. But it is a great venue for college basketball. And was that your first, or did you have multiple significant I did. injuries that, in college? That was my first one. So that, that was my first uh, ACL there, and then. I actually got hurt the, the first day of practice uh, my senior year. So I just set out that year and then came back for a fifth year. So, I mean, what was that process like? I mean, as we bounce all around here, what was that process like to fight back not from one but multiple serious injuries yeah, to eventually get I, drafted? Yeah, sure. It, it's tough. I mean, I, I was playing the best basketball in my career my junior year. We were on a roll. Um, we were, I want to say, 22-3 and three at that point. Looking to get one seed and, and to get injured at, at that point in the season, it's it's pretty mentally um, you know devastating, especially for a 21 year old kid. So I, I think as soon as it happened, um, I remember being in, in the training room right down down the stairs at uh, at the barn, and it actually it stopped hurting. You know, I I thought I could go back in. And the orthopedic surgeon that uh, the University of Minnesota had on staff there was kind of like, you know, I asked him, can I go back in because <laughs> the pain had subsided. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah, not tonight, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, 
but the process is long. You know, it gets it's very tedious. You do the same thing over and over again. You can't play, and you're so used to being able to play and be a part of a team every day. And I think that's the hardest part. You know, it's, you just kind of feel a little bit of a disconnect. I didn't play basketball for really probably 18 months at a competitive level. So you, you're on the team, but you feel a little bit removed. And then when you do it again, it, it can be really tough. But I, I knew I wanted to play, and I always kept the thought of you know, how fun is it to play in the Big Ten or, or you go on the road or you play home games in front of big crowds. You're on networks like the Big Ten Network and ESPN and CBS, and, and I love the NCAA tournament. I loved it as a kid. I grew up a ball boy for, for Valpo University when Bryce Drew was there. So I, I've mm-hmm. always been obsessed with the NCAA tournament. I wanted to get back, and I hoped that I could play in the NBA again because you know that has been a goal and something that I thought I was maybe close to achieving. And then uh, it kind of got you know railroaded for a while, but it was it was something that I'm glad I did. It's it's a rewarding experience, and while it was tough, it's I love to play basketball at the end of the day. Did injuries just catch up to you? I mean, you're still a relatively young man. I mean, what 29 years old, and you've made a phenomenal transition to doing the TV work, but. I mean, heck, if your body allowed, would you still be playing somewhere, whether, you know, here in the States or over in Europe? Because I was injured, actually. I I played my last year in Moscow in Russia, and actually Alexi Fed convinced me to come over to their team. I got Mm. cut by the Nuggets. I was the last cut, and I got this offer to go play for this team called Kimki in Moscow. And Alexi called me up, and, you know, there was this coach that was coaching there. His name's Dushko Ivanovich. He's a legend in European basketball circles, and, He's also, you know, he's won EuroLeague as a player. He won EuroLeague as a coach in Spain. But he's got a big-time reputation as being uh, a jerk, I guess he would be the nice way of saying it. <laughs> um, so I called Alexi, and, and, or maybe even Alexi, Alexi called me, and we're talking, and I asked him, I said, you know, how's Deuce go? I, I know he's got a big reputation for making guys run, and he can be crazy, and I, I've heard all these stories. And Alexi was like, oh, no, he's been really good. You know, it's come on over. So I ended up signing and going over there. And Alexi lied, man. He was, <laughs> this dude was insane. We start practice and we run on the court for 20 minutes like we were on the cross country team. Um, just a complete nut job. So I, I had had enough um, playing in Russia. There was one or two things a day where I'd be like, dude, this place is just insane. I, I just couldn't go back. I could not go back overseas. And uh, it's not because I wasn't playing. You know, I averaged 11 points a game. I shot 47% from three. I just didn't want to play overseas anymore. Uh, I've had enough. And actually, I'm, I've been fortunate. Do you remember Craig Moore from Northwestern? I'm trying to picture him, Manny. He's a shooter. Um, he played there like my, my freshman and sophomore year. He was a junior and senior. He was like a third-team all-the-game guy. Could really shoot. Name sounds um, very familiar. But he's gotten me into, in the summers, I, this last summer I played three-on-three. Um, it's an Olympic sport in 2020. Our team ended up being the number six team in the world. Uh, so we have a great chance to play in the Olympics, and we'll see what happens with that. But it was fun. You know, I played in Shanghai, Beijing, Seoul, Amsterdam, Italy, uh, kind of all over the place. And it, it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but it's been the perfect deal where you retire from playing professionally, you call games all winter, and in the in the spring and summer, you kind of get to travel the world, and you don't have to stay there for 10 months. And you don't have crazy European coaches screaming at you all the time. You go over there, you play, and then you come home. Yeah, I mean, that is the perfect balancing act. I mean, are you really enjoying the, the Big Ten Network job and analyzing Big Ten games? No, I have. And I, I've been very fortunate in terms of the Big Ten Network and ESPN. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of games. I've, I've done a lot of Big Ten, obviously with the Big Ten Network, but also on ESPN, and I've done a lot of Big 12 as well. So I, I think it's it's been great. My agent did a really good job. I've really enjoyed it. And when you think about it, there, there's a lot worse things you could be doing than sitting courtside at a, a college basketball game and, and talking about it. So I've been really fortunate. I've really enjoyed it. The better conference is between those two? Because the Big 12 is really good, but I think the Big 10 is loaded. This, this year, the Big 10. Last year, I'd say the Big 12. The Big 12 was loaded last year. And this year, uh, the Big 12 turned over a good amount, similar to the Big East, maybe not as much. Uh, the Big East or the Big Ten, excuse me. I, I think there were so many young players last year, and they've all gotten a year older and put a year of work into their games. And there's a lot of really good basketball teams in the Big Ten. And, and you even you look at how many quality teams there are. There's not going to be an easy night in the league at all. You know, you look at Rutgers at home. That's not a fun place to go and play. You look at Northwestern, who's had some struggles. Their roster's pretty good. So. 
And those are teams that probably right now, they are not probably, but they wouldn't be in state tournament teams today. So you look at the teams that are, it's a scary league this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's the slippery slope for, for the local team, the Gophers, Robbie. We're talking about Robbie Hummel, Big Ten Network analyst, among other duties. I mean, they have a good roster, but I'm trying to find the path to 10 more victories. So they're 1-1 one one so far in Big Ten play. Can they win 10 more games? They have 18 to go before the Big Ten tournament. Can they get to 10 more victories? And you look at the schedule, and I'm with you, Robbie. There's, I don't know if there's one give me. I mean, maybe and Rutgers at home. Illinois, because of the way that Illinois plays. They don't yeah. reverse the basketball. They make your guards really make plays. I think that's a scary game. You know, going to Penn State is never easy. And, and those are the bottom-tier teams in the league right now. So you start talking about the Michigans, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Nebraska, uh, I think Minnesota. Those are the probably the, the top teams in the league right now. Uh, I think the, the main thing you have to focus on is you just have to you have to hold serve at home. You cannot lose home games this season because the road is going to be crazy. It's just going to be so hard to win on the road with as many quality teams we have this year. Specifically on the Gophers, how good do you think they can be? You know, I think it, it all starts with Jordan Murphy, <laughs> which, of course... Uh, the elephant in the room. You brought him up. I was going to bring him up eventually, no, no, Robbie, but I, you brought him up. We, we can get to that. It needs yeah. to be talked about. But you look at the way he's played. Uh, I don't care who you are. You get 30 points and 16 rebounds. I don't care who you're playing. Um, he, he makes double-doubles look routine. And you get a double-double in a Big Ten game, that, that means you're, you're doing some serious work on the glass. It, it's just not an easy thing to do. And he does it every night, and he's consistent in the way he plays. I think Oturu, um has really come along. You look at a guy that's the reigning Big Ten freshman of the week and what he has become. Um, but also from a guard's perspective, you have Dupree McBrayer, you have Amir Coffey, you have guys that are experienced Big Ten players that are really good. So I think the point guard position is always going to be the question for this team. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Isaiah Washington play well in stretches where he, he scores the ball or he has you know 13 assists or whatever. But then he'll have a game where he's got three points and no assists. And from a defensive standpoint, he just doesn't always give you that type of effort. So I think with him, consistency is so key. And I think Amir Coffey's done a good job of, of filling in as that kind of point forward role. Or he's not really a forward; he's more of a guard, but not a not a true point. But but doing a good job of facilitating the offense. And you saw what he did against Nebraska. He's certainly capable of being a big time player in this league. It's going to be interesting. I, I think the freshman class is, is a great building piece, though. You, you look at those guys. We already talked about Aturo, but Omersa. Gabe Calfrey's had a good freshman year, hasn't shot the, the ball from three as well, maybe as of late as he did early in the season, but just a good group. And you look at keeping Minneapolis kids in Minnesota, that, that's going to be just so important for Richard Pitino. And it's been hard because, well, that's the Blue Bloods coming to get him or Wisconsin or some of the other programs around the area that they've really poached Minneapolis. Robbie, I was, you know, one of the concerns that I had with the Gophers going into this year, I thought they'd be very good, but, you know, depth depth was going to be a concern of mine. And, and how, how big is it going to be for them to get Eric Curry back as soon as they can? It sounds like Doogie, maybe a few, he's still a few weeks away from maybe coming back or maybe I don't know if it's January. a few, but I mean, I, I realistically, I Robbie. Might, you know, yeah. I thought what Richard Pitino said, he, he could play as early as, I think it's Mount St. Mary's. It is, yeah. I mean, they get Mount St. Mary's on Sunday, and he may play Sunday. We'll have a better sense maybe tomorrow or Saturday. But I, I just I think realistically, Robbie, I mean, he hasn't played a meaningful game since March of 2017, the NCAA right. tournament yeah. lost to Middle Tennessee State, that first-round game. He did play in that secret scrimmage in October at yep. Creighton. But I'm talking, you know, a game with a crowd and, you know, well, everything. A real game. He hasn't played for 18 months. Yeah, there's two sides of that story, though. Do you want to, if he's ready to play, getting him some minutes, I would think, against Mount St. Mary's wouldn't be a bad thing. Oh, agree. Uh, I'm just saying expectation-wise, uh, I think yeah, we need to wait many weeks for him to get back to the player he can be. I, I just remember myself, I, I would say, coming back into my fifth year, there was a period of time where I, I really played poorly. I didn't shoot the ball well. My legs weren't back. Just from a conditioning standpoint, you, you just have to be in a certain shape to perform at a high level at, in, in the Big Ten or even in college basketball. So I, I think expectations should certainly be tempered, but there is something to be said for a guy that's been through and has had some success. So he, he certainly has experience, and you're right, it's been a long layoff. 
it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a process for him. And like you said, Barry, you don't want to expect him to be the guy you saw against Middle Tennessee. And he was a really good player. He was a huge piece on that team. So we'll see. Hopefully the sooner the better. But I would think if he's healthy enough to go and he feels confident, Mount St. Mary's, it's a heck of a lot easier to get broken in against them at home than it is going to the call center. Give us a little bit more, Robbie, on Jordan Murphy and how much blowback did you get for, from some Gophers fans? <laughs> yeah, no, so the, the way it went down, um, you know, I guess, and you learn this as you work more in television, there was a graphic that was made, and we had talked about it a little bit, but Jordan Murphy isn't in the pictures. So he was on the bottom, and it said honorable mention, but we were really talking about just the best big guys, so fours and fives in the conference. So before okay. the game, we talked about it. And we're like, ooh, that's Jordan Murphy's having a crazy year. He averages almost 13 rebounds a game. He should probably be up on the pictures. But they didn't mm-hmm. have time to change the graphic because the game was going to start. And they're, you know, and you, if you've ever been in a TV truck, there's oh, a lot sure. going on before the there's game. There's a ton going so, on, yeah. A lot of moving so They were pieces. like, you know, we don't have time to change it. We just make a point to, to mention it. And that will be good enough. So, okay, cool. So the game starts. And I think when you do a game, you can have a tendency to get really locked into the team you're seeing. So we're coming back from a timeout, and the producer's in your ear, and he tells us we're going to do the big guy package with the with the, the graphic of all the guys in the Big Ten. And my play-by-play guy, who I've worked with a good amount, he, I, he misinterpreted what our producer said. He thought we were going to do a big guy package on the two bigs in the current game. They were both playing well, Caleb Lesson. So he starts – he comes back from break, and, and his this happens all the time, but he said something like, you know, hey, let's take a look at the two big guys today. Well, this graphic is coming. So all of a sudden, my thought process has gone from make sure you talk about Jordan Murphy to holy crap, this is really messed up. we got to get this back on track to talk about all the guys in the Big Ten. Now it's going. So that comment gets made, and then I think my mind just went to, you know, Caleb Wes is in this game, get to him. And I, I never got to Jordan Murphy. And when that got tweeted out, all the Minnesota fans were ticked, and they should be. I mean, it, you know, it's, it shouldn't have happened. But in, in a live TV broadcast, there's a lot of stuff that happens where you're like, it's a ad lib or it's, it doesn't go according to the plan. And we got a little bit thrown off. And from there, it just, I, I never got to him. And it's, it's not that I don't think he's good. I, I have a tremendous respect for him as a player. He's a stud. And like I said before, anybody that gets 16 rebounds in the game, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you do it against. That's a grown man effort. So if the season ended the day, to me, he's a first-team all-league guy. Perfect. So, okay, that clears the air. All right, so you think you think the absolute world of Jordan Murphy. Robbie, we'll leave you with this, talking about Robbie Hummel. How about some memories of playing for the Wolves your two years with the, with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah, um, you know, it was a great experience. Getting to play for both Flip and Rick uh, Adelman. Two Hall of Fame coaches, uh, two guys that really knew the ins and outs of the NBA and, and how to run a team, and um, just just a, a great time. I, I love the NBA. I, I really, I always have. I grew up a big '90s Bulls fan. Any kid that was around the Chicagoland area, I don't know how you could. But um, great group of guys, guys I still talk to. Um, it was fun and getting to play with Kevin Garnett for for three months, even though we weren't we were really bad my second season. Uh, that was something that you know, you're playing with a legitimate all-time great in the game of basketball, so that was cool. Um, but I, I think my first year was one of those deals where we, we really had a good team, but the Western Conference was loaded. Um, we had some injuries, but playing with the group with Kevin Love in his last season, Ricky Rubio, Kevin Martin, um, and I look back on those times, and it's some of the funniest, best stories I have from basketball. Um, and I, I could if we have time, I could. My favorite one actually comes from that year. Uh, you'll have to ask next time you see Gorgie Dang. Yeah, well, ask, he's still ask here. Ask him about what Kevin Durant said to him as rookie. Okay. <laughs> because is it clean? Uh, I've never seen this before. Yeah. I, I, well, I'll give you the edited version, but it, it's good. <laughs> so we're playing the Thunder. It's like the fourth game of the season. I just made the team. You know, I, I was drafted in the second round, so I had to make the team um, in training camp. And we're playing. And we're playing the Thunder, and Durant actually is off to a bad start. You know, he's not playing well early in the game. Corey Brewer's guard him, doing a really good job, contesting shots, staying with him. And we're up eight. So Durant misses a shot in front of our bench. And 
the ball gets knocked out of bounds. So Gorgie, who I'm sitting next to, claps his hands and says, good D brew. Like he's cheering on Corey Brewer. Yeah. And Durant hears him and says, you know, it wasn't good D brew. It was bad shot, Kevin. <laughs> With some more words. Yeah, a few so more I'm words. Like, I was like, dude, I've, I've never really heard anybody say anything like that. So, so Durant gets the ball, drills a three, and stares Gorgie down. So our eight-point lead is now five. So we come back on offense, and, or on, excuse me, on defense. Corey's still guarding Durant. Durant gets the ball, drills another three, stares Gorgie down again. Um, so, so our five-point lead is now two. We go back on offense. We don't score again. Back on deep. Ball gets knocked out in front of our bench. Durant comes over, looks at Gorgie, and just verbally eviscerates him. Like, oh who are you? I've never heard of you. I have no idea how you're in the league. I don't even know where you played in college. <laughs> and, like, our assistants are screaming at Gorgie. Like, Jack Sickman's like, Gorgie, shut up. Stop talking to Kevin Durant. He was having a bad game, and now he's on fire. So, Gorgie's like, I'm not saying anything. And I'm thinking to myself, like, good God, thank you that it wasn't me. Because all he said was good D. Brew. So, Durant gets the ball, hits a step-back fadeaway three, beats his chest, yells at our bench, and I was like, dude, I never want to get subbed in. I never want to play. Like, let me just sit here and watch. And it was all because Gorgie just said, good day, bro. Love that story. Love Robbie Hummel going down memory lane. That was my conversation with Robbie Hummel Thursday afternoon on 1500 ESPN. As we know, Eric Curry did make his return. He played 18 minutes on Sunday in the win over Mount St. Mary's. I talked to him among a few reporters on Wednesday morning over on campus. He said he feels good coming off that game Sunday. And he anticipates maybe even playing a little bit more heading into the Thursday night game at Wisconsin. It's another fun football stretch we are entering. Thinking about the four playoff games this weekend, then Alabama-Clemson on Monday. Think about if you have a strong opinion on one of these games to win some money. You play, you win, you get paid. It is MyBookie, MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. Use the promo code SCOOP, SCOOP. For all sorts of advantages, they match you deposit dollar for dollar. As long as you go to $100 minimum, you get $25 in free play. You get a bunch of cool things using the promo code SCOOP. SCOOP. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie, MyBookie.com helps keep the SCOOP podcast going. We are forever grateful to MyBookie, MyBookie.com. Without them, there is not a SCOOP podcast Thank you to MyBookie. Happy New Year to the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is MyBookie, MyBookie.com. All right, let's go notes. I suppose we can keep the basketball theme going. The Detroit Pistons have interest in a reunion with Anthony Tolliver. The Houston Rockets have interest. The Lakers, the Sixers, the Mavs, and Clippers also like Tolliver, but I'm told there really isn't trade interest, roster configuration, some other things preventing Dallas and the Clippers, at least right now, from having trade interest. But it doesn't matter. The Wolves are not close on any trade. I've been asked a lot about Jeff Teague, who's getting closer to returning. I've been asked about others. The Wolves are not close to making any trade. Now, the trade deadline is still a month away, so things can change as we get closer to early February. But right now, on January 2nd, the Wolves are not remotely close to making any single trade. And it's unfortunate that Tolliver could go help somebody else. I get it. The Wolves view him as insurance. If somebody goes down, he could help out. But he's just sitting there on the bench. Good player. He could certainly help a playoff contender, help a team get to the playoffs, or help a team win in the playoffs. Yet the Wolves won't do him that favor. But bottom line is, whether it's Tolliver or anyone else, the Wolves are not remotely close to making any trade. I've been asked a lot about the future of one Tom Thibodeau. You think about some of the recent losses No, he is not getting relieved of his duties anytime soon. I'm sure Glenn Taylor was upset sitting there courtside for the Atlanta game. Glenn then went down to Florida. He has a residence in South Florida. My understanding is Glenn did not reach out to people. If he did contemplate making a move on tips, he certainly didn't vocalize that to anybody. So I just, I don't have a sense that the Wolves are making a midseason change on the coaching front. I do continue to think that April could be very, very interesting. Looking at the Monday game in New Orleans, unfortunately for the Wolves, back-to-back, the schedule got them, although, heck, they got a break, right? Anthony Davis 
in play. So that was an unfortunate loss Monday in New Orleans, but nice to see Tyus Jones. Hey, funny, when Tyus Jones gets minutes, he can run a very efficient offense. Tyus Jones is a good player, but I thought about Dell Demps, the New Orleans general manager, who has tried to acquire Tyus Jones a couple times. In fact, you know what? Credit to Tibbs for holding on to Tyus. It was a couple Octobers ago that Dell Demps was trying to pry Tyus out of here, thinking that Tibbs didn't like Tyus, but Tyus has done a wonderful job winning Tibbs over, and Tyus isn't close to going anywhere. In fact, I'm positive that Tibbs and the rest of that front office and coaching staff have a healthy opinion of Tyus. So hopefully Tyus is here for the foreseeable future. But in terms of any sort of trade, I'm just telling you, Tyus, Tolliver, go up and down the list. The Wolves are not close to moving anyone. Bouncing all over Twin Cities native, he covers college football for Roto World. Thor Nystrom tweeted the other day to keep an eye on the Gophers for University of Buffalo quarterback transfer Tyree Jackson. Now, he looks like he will be a high draft pick in the 2020 draft. Would the Gophers have interest? Again, this is Nystrom saying, keep an eye on the Gophers. Would P.J. Fleck ruffle feathers with all his quarterbacks in-house to chase a graduate transfer? Wherever Jackson lands, he'll be eligible right away. Are the Gophers looking for a one-year fix? I've reached out to a couple Gophers officials. Have not heard back yet, so I don't have any insight on that situation. But, hey, the nature of this podcast, the Scoop podcast, These scoops don't all have to be on me. I can just pass along stuff that I see that maybe you're not aware of. So in this case, Thor Nystrom, Roto World college football writer, reporting that we should keep an eye on the Gophers for the Buffalo quarterback transferring potentially here. Now, he's such a good quarterback. He will have a number of options, a number of power five options. I mean, he is a really good quarterback. In fact, he played at TCF Bank Stadium. When was that? A couple years ago. And he was a pro prospect then. And since then, he's just gotten better and better. I remember P.J. Fleck talking him up the week of the Gophers-Buffalo game. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. But I can just tell you, on my own front, I don't have anything to offer up. But I wanted to pass that note along from Thor Nystrom. On the Twins, Nelson Cruz has successfully traded for number 23 with Mitch Garver. The Twins did make the Cruz news official earlier on Wednesday. They just wanted to wait until after the holiday. He was in town on Friday, passed his physical late Friday afternoon. He had dinner with Thad Levine and Derek Falvey. He actually stayed out by the Mall of America, by the airport. So they had dinner at a nice hotel out there. Then he flew out of town late Friday or early Saturday. So there wasn't time to do a formal press conference. I'm told Cruz will be back in town Twins Fest weekend, that is the plan. So he can do some stuff with some fans and some media. He did do a conference call, though, with some reporters. I was on that conference call on Wednesday. But in terms of doing something in front of the cameras, that should take place late January, Twins Fest weekend. And we found out after the conference call from Dustin Morse, who is great running the Twins public relations side of things, that Cruz successfully gained number 23. He made a trade with Mitch Garver, where I can advance the story. Here would be the scoop. Garver is getting a nice watch. I don't know the specific brand. Is it a Rolex? I'm guessing it's not a Casio. It's probably not a Swatch. So it'll be a nice brand, an upper-scale brand, a watch that Cruz will buy for Mitch Garver, and Garver will now wear number 18. I'm led to believe that when the Twins recruited Cruz, they told him that they were not done spending, that they plan on adding pitching. I'll continue to say I've been saying this for weeks. I do foresee the Twins signing some reliever. Now, no sense that they're down the road on any particular guy, whether it's Sip, Warren, Allen. In fact, really nothing new on Cody Allen. There's others. You know, some have tossed out Kelvin Herrera, who makes logical sense. But as of a few days ago, the Twins had not even touched base on Herrera. But everything can change. There are still about 200 free agents available. Baseball is so unique in that regard. NHL, NBA, NFL, free agency, most of it happens. Snap of the fingers. In baseball, this thing is stretched out like who saw on January 2nd Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still being available. So there are so many arms still available For the Twins to pursue, things can change. On the starting pitcher front, you know, I've been asked a lot about the Twins pursuing a starting pitcher. You know, they had interest in Kikuchi before he committed to signing with the Mariners. The problem was Kikuchi had no interest in joining the Twins. Now his representation, Scott Boros, also represents Dallas Keuchel. I'm led to believe that the only way the Twins would even have a prayer to get Keuchel to come to Minnesota is if they went to five years. Do I think the Twins are going to five years? 
on Keuchel? I don't. Now, heck, does he get four years from somebody else? Would the Twins get him at four years? I mean, I guess it's a name we can keep an eye on, but I'm not quite sure I see the Twins spending big, big money on Dallas Keuchel. They have not touched base yet on Drew Pomerantz. They have not touched base yet on some other guys, including Clay Buckholt. So there are so many names out there, but really, as I sit here on Wednesday afternoon, the 2nd of January, the Twins are now far down the road, at least from what I can gather, on any particular pitcher. I actually think they add a reliever before they add a starter. And, hey, they are still talking to teams. Thad Levine, or maybe it was Derek Falvey, admitted that on the conference call earlier on Wednesday. They are still having dialogue with teams. So maybe they find the right trade match with another team. So I would not be shocked if that happens. But right now, January 2nd, nothing seems really all that close. On the football front, Jake Wenicky, Maple Grove. It sounds like he's signing with the team north of the border. I know there's still some T's to cross, some I's to dot, so I won't pass along the particular team. There's still some things to iron out, but Jake Wenicky looks like he has committed long-term, or at least for the next handful of months, to a team north of the border. Recall he caught that touchdown for the Vikings in the preseason, had a good training camp for the Vikings They just decided to keep others on the practice squad, including Jeff Baudet, the kid, the speedster from the University of Oklahoma. He had some other interest, but he committed to the Vikings on a futures contract. In fact, the Vikings re-signed their entire practice squad to futures contracts, including Rock Thomas. I had a bunch of these scoops on my Twitter page, shameless plug, D. Wolfson KSTP, D. Wolfson KSTP on whatever day that was, Monday. But they did make it official, the Vikings did on Wednesday, that they re-signed their entire practice squad. On defensive lineman Ifedi Odenabo, the former Vikings draft pick, the Eagles and Colts. I believe one of those teams was previously reported, maybe by Chris Thomason, but I can pass along the other team. It was the Eagles and Colts that had all sorts of interest in adding Odenabo to their 53-man roster, but the Vikings gave him a bump in pay, said, hey, we have big plans for you. In 2019, stay here. So he did. Rock Thomas also had some other interest, but the Vikings gave him, I'm told, a bump in pay. Kevin Stefanski, Vikings offensive coordinator, interim offensive coordinator, interviews on Monday for the Browns job. I was told by somebody close to Kevin, quote, it'll be a great experience. So there isn't really an expectation that Kevin, now, heck, he could blow them away in the interview and things could change. But as we sit here on the 2nd of January, there is no sense that Kevin Stefanski is going to get the Browns head coaching job. So then the question is, with his contract up, is he back with the Vikings? I'm told the Vikings have a ton of interest. He is their number one priority. All things perfect, Kevin Stefanski is coordinating the Vikings offense. Now, if he decides to look elsewhere, yes, Hugh Jackson is on the Vikings' radar. Now, Hugh Jackson will interview for the Bengals' head coaching job. A source close to Hugh told me earlier on Wednesday, let's see the Bengals' situation play out. Plus, this person admitted that he senses the Vikings do want to retain Stefanski. But, yes, Zimmer and Hugh Jackson have a very good relationship. I believe it was Jason Lockenfora of CBSSports.com that volunteered that Jackson is on the Vikings' radar. He is to the extent of, let's see what happens on Stefanski, but the Vikings do want to keep Stefanski. So if Stefanski stays, I don't know that there would be a full-time position or coordinator-type spot for Hugh Jackson. You could always create a spot if Hugh swings and misses on some other job opportunities just because his relationship with Zimmer is that strong. But make no mistake, Stefanski is a top priority for the Vikings. George Edwards will interview for the Buccaneers job. He actually did a good job, I'm told, by a source close to him with the Bears interview last offseason. Of course, he didn't get the Bears job, and there isn't a sense that the Buccaneers will hire George Edwards, but still, certainly a good experience for the Vikings defensive coordinator. As for position coaches, they don't know what the future holds. They have not met with Mike Zimmer yet, so there's some guys with contracts that are up. Everything is up in the air not on all guys, but on some guys. So, yeah, I've been asked about, hey, do the Vikings have some outsiders on their radar for the offensive line coach position? I'm sure Mike Zimmer does. I'm sure he's got a list going back to the regular season. I'm sure he's got a list. But I'm not aware of that list because right now with Clancy Barone, for example, there isn't clarity on his future. So maybe in the near future. The Vikings 53-man roster come early September will certainly look different from what we just saw. I'll continue to say that I don't foresee Anthony Barr back with the Vikings. Now, the question is, do they put a franchise tag on him like the Dolphins did with Jarvis Landry, then trade him 
The Dolphins got a couple draft picks from the Browns for Landry. Do the Vikings look at a scenario like that? Or do they just let Barr leave? But some team, whether it's the Raiders, somebody else, with all sorts of cap spaces, going to pay Anthony Barr a ton of money. And the only reason I'm led to believe that he won't re-sign with the Vikings is the two sides had enough talks going back many months. They never came even remotely close to reaching terms on an extension. So I don't think all of a sudden that those talks get revisited and, yeah, a deal gets struck. I just I don't see it at this point. Being this close to free agency, knowing that many teams have so much cap space, Anthony Barr still in the prime of his career in his mid-20s, I just I think some team is going to blow Barr out of the water money-wise, and the Vikings will pass on matching that offer. So, yeah, I do think Anthony Barr is gone. Certainly some others as well. I don't need to spend 20 minutes here at a 50-minute mark of a scoop podcast going over every single name. I'll do that in the coming weeks. We have plenty of time before March for agency, but I'm just telling you I'll leave it with that right there, that Anthony Barr, I just don't see him back in a Vikings uniform. And I don't say that lightly. I'm telling you that's that's not my opinion. That certainly is sourced out enough where you know I feel pretty confident in saying I just I struggle to see Anthony Barr back in Minnesota. Not that he doesn't like it here, not that the organization doesn't like him, just one of those deals when – You have a cap to manage. You have a quarterback making a ton of money. You can't retain everybody, and somebody will pay a really good player like Barr a ton of money come March. I don't really have anything else that needs to get in here, so I think I'll call it a scoop podcast. I'm doing Andy Carlson's Vikings podcast on Wednesday night at Blue Door Pub. I've got some other things, at least one radio appearance before the week is over. So I think I'll hit the reset button on a bunch of different things come next week. That's when really normalcy returns, I think, for a lot of people. In fact, a lot of kids aren't even back in school yet this week. A lot of people are still off this week, so it's still a goofy week. So I think we get back to some sense of normalcy on Monday, Monday, January 7th. So I will aim to have more notes on that particular podcast that I record, whether it's Monday the 7th or later the week of January 7th. That would be episode 194. But for now, we close... And we say Happy New Year once again. We appreciate all of you listening when you've got so many podcast options. This does it for Scoop Podcast Episode 193. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.